everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Talking About Podcast. I am Sean Kennedy. With me on the line for the final episode prior to the start of the 2022-23 regular season is Dave Early. Dave, how are you? I'm good, Sean. How you doing? I'm doing great. Um, we are just talking off air. I'm going to be heading to the city this weekend, going to Eagles-Cowboys Sunday Night Football. So stoked for that. Um, of course. It's going to be an electric environment. Yeah. The, based on the secondary market ticket prices seems like it's a going to be a hot hot event to be at and obviously any eagles cowboys game there's a lot of ramped up enthusiasm slash excitement slash angst um but yeah birds are undefeated should be should be a great game um of course phillies also have playoff baseball for the first time in over a decade today in the city uh 1-1 in their series with atlanta so Two, two playoff games this weekend there. I mean, c- couldn't be a better time to be a Philly sports fan. And, of course, we're we're talking Sixers, who will open the regular season on Tuesday night. Um, so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of excitement around, around Philly sports right now. Um, let, let's talk Sixers, though, Dave. So, roster cutdowns happened. The, the first one that went down was Trev Queen getting released. He had a partial guarantee on his contract. Um, he's already been signed to a two-way deal with the Pacers, so he's already been scooped up. Um, then the, the final shoes to drop were Charles Bassey and Isaiah Joe both getting released on the same day, which actually brings the team down to only having 14 full NBA contracts. So they 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 currently will they'll head into the season with an open roster spot. So the the official kind of line of thinking was that they valued the the flexibility that having that roster spot and the additional space under the hard cap would allow them to to make moves you know going forward into the deadline or if something popped up prior to that so dave i have to ask you what was your various level of surprise with uh each of these guys getting their their walking papers you and i are pretty sure we talked about it we we did think that Queen and Bassey were going to get the hook. Um, Joe, I would have guessed would make the team, but if they prefer, yeah, I think it was Brian Toporek on our Slack who told us basically his contract would have been guaranteed beginning game one of the season. So if they waited another few days, they would have been paying him and then things get a little bit more hairy in terms of approaching that apron, right? So I guess valuing an empty roster spot over a shooter like Joe, who they really could have used. I mean, if, if Furkan is not reliable as an outside shooter, he was not last year. And the same could be said about Shake Milton at different times in his career. Joe might've been able to fill that in. So by preferring an empty spot over Joe, I guess, it really looks like they're prioritizing in-season moves so we can expect plenty of rumors for, you know, somewhere around the 10th man spot uh, or, or guys who are the 14th man who might be traded to bring in a eighth man, for example. Yeah, it's, I, I feel like they liked Joe. They just kind of recognized the reality that he wasn't likely to see minutes this season. Uh, the additions of Melton and, house um with with also tucker who's kind of like a bigger forward more more so than a wing but those additions kind of pushed everyone down the depth chart so now not only 
was Joe not likely to see minutes because Shake and and Cork Moss were ahead of them in the pecking order? But but those guys are are fighting for any minutes. Like I don't I think right now Cork Moss wouldn't even be in the, in a ten man rotation, and and Shake is probably the tenth man. So it depends how how deep in a given regular season game Doc wants to go with his his rotations that it, whether or not Shake will even see the floor. So like Joe's kind of in that that third string. Um, so the fact that the, you're not probably going to be in a situation where you use him at any point this season, I, I think they just said, Hey, the, we're, we're probably not going to re-sign him to a deal. His deal was up after the season and he'd be a free agent. Uh, so let's, as, as you said, the guarantee, the fact that his contract became guaranteed was kind of the tipping point. And now they have more room to, make a deal down the road if they need to. And it just kind of offers them that flexibility. So that, that flexibility was more valued, valuable to them than, you know, Joe, who, while they liked his upside still just probably wasn't going to be a factor of the season at all. And given the fact that he was a free agent moving forward, the, the team just probably didn't see a future with him here. So, yeah, I, I, I think it was interesting that we, you know, not only us, but all, everybody has been talking about like what the team's going to do with these roster spots heading into the season. And no one kind of brought up the idea that they would just move forward with 14 um, and, and value the flexibility accordingly. Like it, well, it wasn't even like something that was mentioned offhand. So I, I think that kind of came out of left field, but other than that, um, yeah, as you said, Bassey was, the writing was on the wall ever since the trust Harrell signing and uh yeah queen seemed like the odd man out he never he never really established himself in in summer league or preseason so yeah that, those weren't surprising the joe one was surprising just because we didn't think they'd go with 14 guys but yeah they, they have more than enough depth it's not like previous years when uh we talked about it in slack where El- elton brand had a, an open roster spot the year and everyone's like they without they... depth <laughs> what's that and they didn't have depth and he still yeah, exactly. It. And I'm pretty sure Daniel house was available at one point that year. They ended up going with Corey Brewer. Um, and we, we all wondered like what the heck, but um, you know, Brian Topper pointed out the Sixers moving on from these guys will have about 5.6 million under the apron. So I don't know. I don't know enough about the cap to tell me if that's the type of salary they'll be targeting in a trade or that's the most they could target. Um, but maybe they could add a player around that amount. Um, a source, this is written by Paul Hudrick, a source tells Liberty Ballers that the moves are about prioritizing roster flexibility for potential trades. So if that's what your gut said when you heard this stuff, that's probably what Daryl Morey is thinking, it's looking for an in-season shakeup down the line. Yep. Well, they, I'm not going to complain, although I, I did like the the archetype of Joe, and I, I think if he finds the right situation, he can be a player in the league. But uh, yeah, as, as we've discussed, they have plenty of depth and it's not, I, I don't think this is going to be a thing that haunts them down the road in terms of this season, because I don't think Joe is likely to be a contributor for like a contending team in, in 2022, 23, but it, it's just a shame that he never really had an opportunity to fully develop here. Uh, I think there there is something there and there's probably a better spot for him elsewhere in the league. Yeah. I think the, the glass half empty side is con- health and shooting are 
big concerns of mine about this team heading into the year. And Joe could have potentially filled that shooter role. So if they were not thinking that he was going to be a big part of the plan, maybe they should have been. I I think he deserved more minutes last season, especially during some of those like COVID depleted stretches of the season when he wasn't logging big minutes anyway. Uh, So maybe he could fill that, but the glass half full is it's easy to overlook upside that we cannot envision, you know? And so some of these teams who have high hopes right now are going to slowly be pivoting to Victor. (laughs) Victor Wembo-Daniel looks pretty darn good. And I think we might want to get into the mix. So we don't need player X. Yes, there are almost certainly going to be more teams that are tanking than usual this year and willing to excise uh, veterans that might help them win one or two games. And they, they view that as a negative. So there's probably going to be more helpful pieces available on the trade market as the season progresses than there would be in a, in a usual year, just because there's that generational type talent that people are all hoping to get that, that 14% bite at the apple for. Yep. So yeah, the, maybe that was a factor in in Daryl deciding they they wanted the extra flexibility um just kind of a one one more straw on on the pile for for the argument they were making to to value that flexibility um yeah I will never know but it's uh it's certainly going to be interesting and it I, I think I think ultimately it just they have they have the guys they want in place they have they even have some reserves like like Shake and and Korkmaz and Matisse. Who Matisse is just like probably not going to see playing time regularly. So they, they if have there's guys. any if there's any world where Daryl can still get his guy Eric Gordon, he's going to try. So maybe, <laughs> maybe he's still thinking about stuff like that. Yeah, uh, maybe. But I mean, that Gordon contract, I just don't see how they could compile enough no, to, yeah. to get there. But um, yeah, I, I know there's interest, but I, I don't see that happening. But yeah, there's there's going to be other guys that are more more in the eight to $12 million range as far as salary that they will certainly go after. And uh, there's going to be guys that are available in the buyout market. Like just because there's going to be like, like we're saying with uh, the woeful for Wambayama sweepstakes, there's, there's, there's going to be guys that get bought out. And you did a much better job of that pronunciation than I did. (laughs) Um, I think I had a D in there, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta get that one down. Cause that's the name we're going to be saying for years to come. Yeah, um, yep. So we'll uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in the future, but I, I think the Sixers are still well positioned. Um, even with an open roster spot, they have, they have more than enough depth to head into the season. So not, not worried in that regard. So uh, you gotta, gotta trust Daryl and, and the brain trust that they know what they're doing. And um, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure something will pop up and they'll, they'll be ready to pounce. Um, and this gives them more flexibility to do so. I like it. Yep. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk season predictions. We're, we're days away from the regular season opener. We're going to kind of get our crystal balls out and, and make some predictions. So we'll be right back after we hear from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back. So, Dave, season predictions. Got a, got a long regular season ahead, but let's let's try to dust off the, the old crystal ball, see what's going to happen. We're going to start with some player-specific stuff. So we'll, we'll start from the biggest piece of the team, both literally in terms of stature and in terms of importance to the squad's success, Joel Embiid. Where do you think Joel will wind up in the MVP ladder this season? He's, of course, coming off two consecutive runner-up finishes to Nikola Jokic. Um, wh- where do you think he'll, he'll wind up in, in that race this year? Um, I guess I'll, I'll pick something like seventh. Yeah, I, I have a, a similar thought. I, I, I said I think he'll probably be more in like the, the four or five range this year. And my thinking is we've heard the reports about how he's going to maybe take a more of a step back offensively, focus more on the defensive end. He's he's valuing team success more than striving for those individual goals this year, like the years past where he was kind of outspoken about, about wanting the MVP award. He's, he's kind of canned to that talk and he's, he's only his only goal in, in speaking to the media is that he wants to win the title and he's going to do the stuff that he needs to do to make that a reality. Um, so uh, yeah, I think his, I think his scoring numbers are going to go down. I don't think there's any chance really that he leads the league in scoring again this year. And I would expect, uh, I'd expect him to be more impactful for the team, but in less, of a counting number way that kind of lends itself to MVP conversations. But I think the Sixers will still be a really good team. And as a result, it'll be oh best player on, you know, a top five team in the league or so like you got to throw him into the MVP conversation and it'll be more like the, the four to the five range as far as the MVP ladder. And I I don't think it's going to be a, I don't think people are going to be arguing for him to, to win the award as vociferously as they did in past years. Yeah, I would agree. I'll go a couple rungs below yours. Um, I don't know if it'll be a combination of him not coming near that 30 point per game total. I actually hope he does not. Um, I know he's talked about focusing on the defensive end, which was music to my ears. Um, I don't want him to go for that defensive player of the year award either. Uh, I'd rather him prioritize health in the regular season and give us that like 80% effort. Take, Take a night off here or there. Keep your legs your thumbs your cheek orbital bones as preserved as possible and just be healthy for the playoffs that would be my ultimate goal for him Uh, i saw him doing a couple jumps from point a to point c defensively where his feet were getting tangled in the preseason and it reminded me of the last time we saw him and he was falling quite a bit in miami and i was like oh man i'd rather him just do these point a to point a jumps uh, to start the regular season, you know, you don't have to go flying to block Darius Garland's shot because <laughs> we want you, we want you perfectly healthy. Just contest the shot and focus on the rebound the way like forty-year-old Tim Duncan would do. You could do that some nights. Yeah, you you don't need to uh, trample Regina King in no. the <laughs> in the courtside seats. Um, don't need those <laughs> diving saves. Don't need the uh, the track down blocks in the half court setting where there's like you know, five feet to land on. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good point about if he's less focused on individual awards, he, he, he probably takes a few more 
load management rustiest this season than he might have last year when he was trying to play as many games as possible because he knew that awards voters factored that in. Um, So, yeah, I I certainly agree that his health is is and should be the team's top priority in terms of their long-term success and just making sure he's as healthy as can be heading into the postseason. So yeah, I, I would also expect him to to take a few more rest days here and there. And that that will probably uh hurt him in terms of individual awards. Um yeah, all right. So at, we looked at a guy like Steph Curry not as the most valuable player last season. You know, we talked so much about Joel and Jokic and other guys. People talked about Kevin Durant when he was healthy. But Steph Curry was so clearly the player of the year when all was said and done. And that's really all you'd like from Joel. Just be the player of the year. you got to have the great 16-game playoff run. Yeah, be the one when five to ten years from now, people look back at, oh, what happened for the 2023 season? And they remember was it was a it was Joel. He like yeah. he was the the iconic figure from he from channeled that. Duncan, he channeled Kevin Durant, he you know, he channeled <laughs> Kobe and Jokic. And he just went on a miraculous playoff run and no one could stop. Yeah, uh, I would love that for sure. All right. So it seems like we're kind of in agreement on that one. Uh, Next up, James Harden. Do you think he will make an all-star team this year? I'm going to go no. Um, I'm going to stay with a semi-bearish prediction and say he surprises us by not. I mean, his numbers will be there and he might just get the votes. He might get it out of due respect. But I think there's there's a lot of talent in the East, and I think he's going to have some stiff competition. So if they load manage him, if he has a slow start, if he has some shakiness with the handle that we've seen at the end of last year and early in the preseason, uh, there'll be some guys, including some of his teammates, coming for that guard spot. All right. I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I think he will make it. Um, I agree his numbers are going to be down, but I still think – uh, in terms of his passing, I, I think he'll probably be either number one or number two in the East in terms of assists per game. Um, so people will look at that and and point to that as why he should make the team. And uh, I, I think he'll just kind of get a, a reputation thing, be be like an emeritus award. Yes. Where, uh, I, I think th- this will probably be his final all-star appearance, I, I would suspect. Um, but I think... Again, the Sixers will be top three team in the East. Uh, they'll say they deserve more than one All Star, and I think they'll go to Harden because they'll say, "Oh, well, he's you know him or maybe Trey is leading leading the leading the league in assists. He's still averaging eighteen to twenty a game. Like you're averaging close to a twenty and ten. Like that's probably good enough to be an All Star, and he ha- he has the reputation as being a top 15 player in the league. So how could he, how could you leave him off? And so I, th- I still think he'll make it. Um, so we're in disagreement on that one. The next one, you, you seem to be hinting at this. So I'm curious your thoughts. Do you think Tyrese Maxey will be an all-star this season? Uh, I'm going to go yes on this one. Tyrese Maxey will be an all-star. He's going to um, make fans of other teams start to feel and understand what Sixers fans have been feeling. Uh, and it's, it's a true, joy for the fans here to see that happen and if and if he does take hard and spot no one will really be upset about it around here no yeah that that would soften a blow if the Sixers still got two all-stars um I'm gonna say no I think as you said um and as we've discussed in previous podcasts the the 
guard depth in the East is incredibly deep this year. So I think it's it's going to be hard for anyone to make it. And I think uh, Mitchell's here now. Yeah, Brunson yeah. might even have a case. Yeah, he's going to be like the focal point of that offense. So he's going to be putting up numbers, you know. That's right. um, so I think there's going to be kind of a feeling like Maxi's time will come among the voters. Like he's still he's still just 21. He's going to have a long career ahead of him. He's going to he's going to get this eventually. Like we don't need to to force him in right now. Someone's and I think going to use the Vorper efficiency argument against us again. <laughs> yes, uh, he's averaging 22, and that's great. But look at the shots he's taking and the value of a replacement. Melton, they're fine without him. Yeah, that, and people will come up with their arguments, yeah. just like they always do. Um, so I, I, I feel like I don't think Maxi's going to average that high. Uh, you, you mentioned 22. I, I don't think he's going to be quite that high because I think there's going to be a lot of games where he does score like 25 to 30. But I think there's also still going to be sprinkled in those games where he's just not as involved because he's still not the primary ball handler. And there's going to be nights where he kind of gets a little if, if his shot isn't falling in like a spot up type role. He, he He's going to have like those four for 13 games where he only scores like 10 points. Those are going to happen. Uh, it's not going to be often because he's still, I mean, his, his rise has been meteoric and I, I think he's still going to have an outstanding season. And I think there's going to be more 25 to 30 point games than there are 10 point games, but I think they're just going to happen because he's not, he's not going to be this huge high volume presence for the team because he's still kind of third in terms of usage and they have other guys who are, who need to get the ball as well. Um, so I think it's going to, he's going to probably settle in more of like a 18 point per game role and people are going to make the argument that he should make it, but they're going to say, oh, well, there's guys that are averaging more than him that have more higher assists per game as well. Like, it's just not his year quite yet. I think he's going to be right right on the fringe of the outside looking in in, in a really competitive field. Well, you, um, you persuaded me that I'm at least making a bold prediction on this one. So good, good, good case. <laughs> All right. So. We uh, we we flipped on who we think between Harden and Maxi is going to make the All Star team, um, but we were in agreement as far as Embiid's MVP status. Um, how about the newcomers? Who do you think will be the most impactful newcomer for the team this year? Hmm. I guess the easy one is Tucker. I mean, Doc's going to give him every chance to be the most impactful. If you were to make a an outside of the park. Uh, I, I wonder, you could say like Montrez might have a terrific regular season and surprise us. He might even vie for, you know, not if not a six man of the year, but, you know, someone who gets votes in that category. Yeah, down, down ballot, six man of the year. A down ballot, six man of the year. So he, you know, he might be a sexy pick that not everyone would think of, but Tucker's going to get chances. I mean, Tucker's going to be the guy that Doc turns to to defend another team's best player a lot. Um, so I think especially come playoff time. If he's healthy, it won't even be close. He'll be the most impactful. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, I, I think Tucker's just going to do too many of those kind of like glue guy things that the team just so sorely needed in past years. And we, we already saw it in the preseason. Um, just get getting those offensive rebounds, uh, setting those screen assists on the other side of the court, just knowing how to do all the little things to kind of make an offense flow. And then of course, picking up various guys defensively, uh, you know, guarding multiple positions, being, being the vocal leader 
of the team in that in that sense. Just they, they talked about it in training camp. Like you just never don't hear him yelling out there yeah. and, and being being vocal and positioning guys and getting the energy up. So I, I, I think that's you know, I'd like to go in a different direction and say like, oh, Melton's Melton's going to really help them. I think House is going to be a really valuable three and D person. Uh, Harold could certainly, you know, average twelve and seven a game as as a bench big and and be a, a really helpful piece. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's got to be Tucker. Um, and it, it probably won't show up in the box score, but for the people that watch the team, and I, I think it's going to be night and day from from where they were with all those kind of intangibles and, and glue guy stuff that he brings yeah maybe the sixers can track like how many possessions did he add per game or something yeah the yeah they keep the deflections and deflections, all, all loose balls offensive boards yeah the hustle the hustle yeah. stats that they they keep on the on the whiteboards um yeah he'll probably be near the top of those so yeah i think i think he's probably the answer there um all right. How about guys that might not stick around? Do you think anyone will be gone by the trade deadline? And if, if so, who would you put your money on? As we said this in the past, and I think it's still the case that guys like Korkmaz and Diable are probably the dudes that Daryl would like to package for a player who he can rely on more than either of those because of their limitations on either end of the floor. Yep. Still agree with you there. Um, just the salary matching those are the the easy ones um yeah. especially now that joe isn't there to to use his salary either um which was obviously lower than those guys but still a couple million um yeah i think if i had to pick one i'd say thibel because he is more of like a pedigree and people could talk themselves into fixing the shot and making it if he can just hit 35 percent a spot up his defense is so valuable that um there's a potential there that could still intrigue people. So I think people would view him more as more of a get than just like a salary match where I think Kirk Moss, who's, you know, still young. I just don't think has the, the upside throughout the league. Um, So I think his inclusion in deal would be purely salary matching, but um, yeah. So I'll I'll say Thibault will be the most likely. And uh, yeah, I, I think, they'll certainly be if if a deal is out there they're, they're going to be the ones that are, are dealt and uh, also um maury on the rights to ricky sanchez pod just said that other than maxi thibel was the guy that teams wanted when they were in talk so i don't know if that's changed with what happened yeah his vaccination and <laughs> playoff his, performance but his um profile both among the fan base and probably around the league really took a hit since february of 2022 to now I, I don't think there was any steeper drop in like a two to three month period in terms of how how a player is regarded than than we saw from matisse in last spring uh, yeah so it was yeah it was tough for we went from everyone was uh thrilled that matisse did not have to be included in the the Simmons Harden trade with Brooklyn and it was viewed as a real coup that Daryl was able to hang on to him. And then everyone was ready to run him out of town by now. It was May. like, could you have kept the 2023 pick or Drummond <laughs> instead? Yeah. So yeah, really, really, really wild swing for a few months that that took place there. Um, all right. We're, we're, let's move on to team stuff. So 
The regular season over under for wins for the Sixers is set at 50 and a half. Would you go over or under that 50 and a half number? Uh, I took the under. Uh, I'm going to say that they win 50 games. Okay, so you're going right under that line. Right under some combination of, uh, you know, PJ Tucker, Joel Fell, and Tucker left holding his left knee that had just underwent arthroscopic offseason surgery. And it made me think like, Either this team's going to get banged up along the year or they're going to load manage along the year. It's going to be one or the other. Between the absent games that important players miss, I'm just going to take the under. All right. I'm going over. And I think this it's fairly easy over in my mind because they won 51 last year. So they went over last year. And that was with two-thirds of the season. They had this $25 million hole where... Ben Simmons just wasn't around, but they didn't have any replacement for him in terms of like the salary cap sheet or the talent they could replace him with on the court. He was just like not there. Um, so now you have you have Harden instead of Simmons. You have Maxi, who's another year better and looks like he's taken another leap. And then you have a lot more depth than you have last year. So not only do pieces like Tucker, Melton, and House make you a more rounded team, but you're a lot deeper. You can afford to get by for a week or two if somebody, you know, sprains an ankle and has has a minor thing where he's missed four to five games. You 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 don't miss a beat because you have this depth where guys can just fill in. You have uh, you have Trez who, between him and Paul Reed, who it looks like Doc is much more willing to play than he was last year. I, I think you're your center rotation is a lot better and you can um, get by better than you did last year when, um, especially after Drummond went to Brooklyn uh, and we were playing DeAndre Jordan down the stretch of the season. So I think your, your backup center situation is a lot better than it was a year ago. Uh, I, I just think up and down the roster, the depths there, they're a lot more equipped to be a better regular season team than they were last year. Um, so, yeah, I just, and, and add, add in the fact that they were just playing without Simmons and anyone to replace him for two thirds of the last year. And they still won 51. I, I don't know. I don't see how they don't at least do as well as they did last year. So I'm I going believe, over. I believe odds makers agree with you because I'm looking at the odds on our friends at DraftKings. They've got to bet the over it's minus 130 to bet the under it's plus 110. So they're giving you a little incentive to bet the under because I'm assuming most betters are not yet so yeah and i think that opened at like minus 110 on both sides so it seems like the money's been coming in on the over yeah smart smart money's gone on the over to your point um but you gotta you gotta have a lot of health to get to this point um and it's possible that the sixers don't so i also think i guess that's part of the reason i went under yeah all right well we'll see how that goes and then our final prediction how far do you think this team's going to advance in the postseason? I'm going to go to the second round again. Um, I think that the East is a bloodbath, and the Sixers have had this terrible monkey on their back ceiling at the second round. Doc Rivers has had this now since 2012, and there are some disaster scenarios where they lose in the first round because you saw how the way it all shook out last year. Like you could get a really like the Nets had to play the Celtics going into the year. No one would have thought that was the case. Um, so there are some 
disaster scenarios in the first round that's possible. Um, and the chances that they make the conference finals just simply cannot be higher than them making uh, the second round. So I'm going to go with the second round as a safe bet there. Okay. I'm going to go conference finals. Um, I'm really bullish on their, their regular season uh, potential because of all the reasons I just talked about. So I, I, I feel like they, they get like a two seed. And I think that'll set them up to have an easier path than they did last year. And, you know, you, you, pl- you play someone that comes out of the play-in tournament in the first, the first round. And then in the second round, you'd have a super tough matchup because, as you mentioned, the East is really difficult this year. But at least you'd have an important advantage. So I think you'd probably be favored in that. Um, so I, th- I think the conference finals is where they, they reach. I think they get they finally get over that second round hump. And at least it's like a step forward. And then we, they, they, they come back the following year for, for one more run. Like they, they harden either opts in or they, they figure out something where he does another kind of one and one. And then they say, well, Max is finally going to take the, 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 even another step of his evolution. He's going to be a true all-star, no doubt about it, the following year. And they just they do the run it back thing that everyone wanted them to do when they lost to the Raptors that year. Um, and I, I, I think, I think that's where we'll be at where there there's at least the, the optimism that they made a step forward and, and they can do it again. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, I think if everyone's healthy, they have as good a shot as anyone. It's really the league is as wide open as it has been in some time. There's not a, a super team that you're kind of like, when, when Golden State was in its apex for that three to four year period, and everyone was just kind of taking a step back and trying to position until until their their run had ended, except for like Houston, because they yeah. said, well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where, where I'm at with things. I like it. All right. So that'll do it for us this week on the talking about podcast uh next week we will have regular season games to discuss we got the boston season opener tuesday night uh home opener against milwaukee a couple nights later dave i mean got got to be looking forward to those games like are are you at all worried that they have such a a difficult path to start the season like or it, are you are you geared up like hey let's let's see what they have right out of the gates against the best the east has to offer yeah, I thought it, I thought it was unfortunate because they are these are going to be playoff game environments, and the Sixers have imp- very important new faces. So, I would have preferred they have like four or five games against the Hornets and Bulls to just just figure their rotation out. Like, how's this not the one year that they they play the Hornets every other night? It seems they play like. the Hornets every other night. They couldn't have had the Hornets the first four games of the season and then play the Celtics because. Uh, you listen to Doc talk, and he's talking about clusters and combinations of his backup. You listen to Maury talk, and he's saying things like, obviously, you'd think about staggering Harden and Embiid, but it doesn't always work out that way, and you would like to spread the floor for Harden, but that's tough to do, and you want to develop Maxi. So I don't think the Sixers know themselves quite yet, and I think that's totally fine. It is going to take some time. It's unfortunate that you might have – to play against two teams with the utmost continuity who were making deep, deep playoff runs. And for the big change basically for the Bucks is they're just getting Chris Middleton, who they've already won the title with playing the two or the three in a lineup with 
P.J. Tucker. So uh, that's going to be really hard. They are going to feel like playoff games, and the Sixers might be getting their – what is the term? Cutting their teeth in terms of their rotation and minutes and, and chemistry. So tough challenge right from the jump. Yeah. Um, on, on the bright side, though, I, I don't think Middleton will be available for that game. So at least right. at least they catch him for one game before Middleton comes back. So Good that's point. A, small advantage at least but uh yeah it, i i agree it would have been good to have a couple games to ease in against some weaker competition but uh hey they they went undefeated in the preseason so well all of my <laughs> I, i'm really encouraged that all of my pessimistic predictions you had a stronger argument in in the opposite direction so you're giving me you're giving me some extra inspiration and faith here <laughs> I, i'm very bullish which concerns me somewhat (laughs) am i am i just caught in this euphoria of philadelphia sports philly fever yeah everything is going right right now and that's just clouding my judgment because yeah usually i'm pretty pessimistic in terms of the sixers but yeah i i don't know i feel feel really good about things which uh i guess we'll see where whether that was uh warranted or not do you have a jersey or a hoodie you're gonna wear to this eagles game um, I have a Dawkins jersey, so nice. I'll, I'll probably go that way. I mean, it's All just right, such a staple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be the one in the Dawkins jersey, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Dave, thanks so much for joining uh, again this week. Where can everybody find you online? Uh, at David Early on Twitter, at Liberty Ballers, my writing and podcast there. All right. And I'm at Philly Fast Break on Twitter. Um, everybody, enjoy Philly's playoff baseball this weekend in Philadelphia. Enjoy. Eagles Cowboys Sunday night and enjoy the first couple games of the Sixers regular season. So let's go. Let's go. All right. Until until next week. Take care, everybody. Talk to you soon.